This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 335, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, December the 30th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode 335, where we take a look at the releases from the week of Wednesday, December the 30th. Uh, typically, I like my reviews episodes to go up by the latest from the following Wednesday after uh, comics have came out, but instead, this is coming to you from Friday, January the 8th, so these comics are old news already, uh, which of course means that uh, I think of all the recent weeks I've read comics uh, to review, I actually have the most to talk about this particular week when already the all the comic books are old news. In fact, I think I have something like 26 comics to talk about. That being said, I've also been ill, so yay, my voice isn't really what it usually is. So this is going to be... Um, I always like to say, and I've been made fun of in the past by some listeners who make fun of me for this. They say that, you know, I try to keep it fast and light and lightning round and I keep saying it and it doesn't always happen or sometimes it just becomes the regular way we do things here at Camera Comic Shenanigans and our reviews episodes. But this episode will be fast paced because there's 26 comics that we're talking about and there's no way I'm going to be here for an hour with a scratchy voice trying to talk about these comics. So let's jump right in. Uh, without further ado, first up this week in our long list is Olu Wolverine number three. I gotta say, I'm really enjoying this book. I think it's a very solid read. I think Tom Taylor's doing a great job. I'm really enjoying the artwork. Um, it's just a, a fast-paced but very enjoyable book. It, it feels like it's very much in, its, in and of itself. Like, you don't need to read anything else. You could just kind of read it. Um, it's just, I mean, she doesn't even need to be Wolverine. It really is just X-23 being X-23, but now she happens to be Wolverine. So I guess that's the only detriment against it is that does it really justify her needing to be called Wolverine? Not really, but I think that's also a testament to the strength of the character and the story is that it almost doesn't matter what she's being called. Maybe it's just topic for sales. Ultimately, it's just a cool story with a cool character uh, with the window dressing of her being Wolverine. The artwork by David Lopez and David Navarro uh, is is gorgeous. Um, the fight sequence with uh, X, uh, with Taskmaster here is really cool. Um, yeah, I, the art's great. It's a riveting story. A lot of action. It's fast paced. There's also you know some quieter character moments. Really excited to see what happens in the next issue with Doctor Strange. Um, I really dug this, and I've been enjoying it since the beginning. Um, Tom Taylor again is put, putting together a fantastic book. Uh, I'm going to give this a, a very solid eight out of ten. It's Definitely a book I recommend to people to read, and if you're not giving it a shot, you really should. If you're like, well, I don't really know that much about X-23 as a character, you don't need to know much about her as a character. Like, I can't say I'm a huge fan of her as a, as a, as a character in the past, and yet I've been able to kind of jump into this and really dig it and think that, you know, it's being written really well, and I like the... You know the, the the concept and the, the direction of the story. So I mean, you, you don't need to know a lot about Laura. You don't need to have liked Laura in the past to still be able to enjoy this book, which I think is one of its strengths. It's it feels like it's maybe the one that most accurately captures the feeling of all new all whatever it's supposed to be all new all different Marvel. Um, just kind of telling fun stories with characters that you may not have expected to enjoy stories with, uh, and they're and they're action packed and also full of characterization and just worth your time. So that's all new Wolverine number three. Next up is Astonishing Ant Man number three. Love this book; it's fantastic. Um, it's written by Nick Spencer, art by Ramon Rosanas. Um, continue to kind of tell the story of Scott Lang. He teams up here with uh, with Captain America. Um, just extremely enjoyable. I'm excited to kind of see where this storyline goes from here. Um, I'm excited to see Beetle here. 
Uh, it's just it's fantastic. It's it looks great. It's um it's again it's 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 interesting to me that some of the larger franchises that with that kind of the core books aren't necessarily hitting on all cylinders for me. But it's the otter books. It's the weird little outliers that are really doing well. Like even just this week, looking at the list of comics I'm going to be talking about. I mean, Squadron Supreme has been it was is is a pretty good read so far. Uh, even Drax has been enjoyable. Um, Carnage has been fantastic. Astonishing Ant Man, Only Wolverine. Like these are not top tier necessarily books or characters and yet they're knocking it out of the park books like spider woman spider gwen like these are different types of stories different types of characters and those are the ones critically in terms of their actual um stories etc and even the art that are really knocking it out of the park right now and it's some of the larger titles which or more established characters like extraordinary x-men that i'm kind of like eh it's okay but it doesn't i don't know it doesn't really excite me but it's these other otter smaller books that again aren't going to light up the sales charts. That are actually the enjoyable reads. That are they're the ones that I can't wait to read when I get home from the comic book store. Um, now, is I going to give the Astonishing Ant Man number three an eight out of ten? Uh, next up is Batman Eternal, Batman and Robin Eternal number thirteen. Um, this is let's see who wrote this. It'd be nice to to know who did this. Uh, stories by James Tinney the Fourth and Scott Snyder. James Tinney the Fourth did the script and art by Marshall Takara. Um, it's still good, and you know, I've heard a lot of reviews online. And people are saying that Batman and Robin Eternal is more focused and more enjoyable than Batman Eternal from last year. And I would say maybe it's a little bit more focused because it doesn't have as many storylines going in as many different directions. But I won't say it's as enjoyable. I really thought that on the whole, Batman Eternal captivated me more and was more interesting to me. And the whole concept of the mother and orphan. And uh, you know, introducing Cassandra Cain to the to the DC universe in the New Fifty Two or post New Fifty Two, whatever you want to call it, it's it's okay. It's just it's not riveting me. It's and I don't know. It just lacks something that the uh, that Batman, sorry, just regular Batman Eternal had. Uh, I'm still liking it. It's just not quite you know bowling me over. It's not making me go, wow, that was an amazing issue. It's more like okay, well that that that's still going. Um, I'm gonna give it a six and a half out of ten as a result. I mean, it's not a bad book. It's just it's not exactly exciting me either. It's not making me fully indifferent, but again, it has elements that are really interesting. But I don't know if it necessarily keeps all of my attention. Um, another Batman book from this week. There's Batman Europa number three. This I didn't really like. Um, I just found vi- that was very disconnected. I didn't really care. Um, it's, it's issue three is just called Paris. The story is by Matteo Casale and Brian Azzarello. Layouts by Giuseppe Camincoli, which, honestly, I had no concept of that based on the art by Diego Latore. Um, I did not like this. I didn't really grasp it. I think a big part of it was just the art. I found the art really kind of distanced me. The story wasn't nearly as interesting. The last two issues had art that really kind of got me in, and then it made the story kind of go flow a lot uh, more smoothly. I did not feel that here at all. Um, the art felt like a mismatch. Um, the story, again, it just, this felt like it was limping forward, whereas the last two issues felt like we were going somewhere. I'm going to give this a 3 out of 10, because um, it just did not, didn't do it for me. Uh, next up is Black Canary, speaking of books that don't do it for me, I just can't get into this. I keep trying, and it's not working. I'm not really connecting with how the character's being written. Um, it's just not for me. I think it's for someone, it's just not for me. It's not 
not for this particular reader, but I'm sure that there's an audience for this, and I'm really glad that they have a book that's very different, starring a strong female protagonist. It's just not in any way targeted for me, and that's okay. I just don't like it, and I can't respond to it, and I don't really enjoy it. Uh, it's written by Brendan Fletcher, artwork by Annie, U- Annie Wu. Um, I'm, I'm going to give it a... I don't know. Again, I don't think it's a bad comic, whereas I think Batman Europa wasn't a very good comic. Black Canary, I just don't respond to it. I'm going to give it a five, middle of the road. Um, it's not it's not horrible. It's just not in any way interesting to me. Whereas I think with Europa, I don't think that's necessarily good. Um, but Captain America White, ah, this, uh, this was the ending. Um, I got to say... After the long wait we had for this book, and I remember the Zero issue being great back, way back when, it didn't quite live up to the, the, the brand, unfortunately. Take it on its own, it's okay, um, but the color books have been so good. That being said, Daredevil Yellow and Spider-Man Blue are the best ones. I've never been able to respond to Hulk Gray. I know uh, previous uh, guest, well, co-host of the show in the past, Nathan Strzok, has always really enjoyed Hulk Gray. I've never really connected to it. It didn't have the same emotional resonance for whatever reason. Something about it lacked something. Whereas when you would read Spider-Man Blue, man, does that is that emotional? Like it's it, first of all, it's retelling or kind of telling stories in and around very classic comics, and it's just an emotional gut punch at the end. Um, not even at the end, but all the way through because it's sad because it's you know reflecting on a period and this the beginning of a love story and we know how tragic it ends. And Daredevil Yellow, again, it's just charming. It's got this beating heart deep down and at the end you're just kind of like, it, you know, it's a sad comic. Um, it's a good comic. Both of them are very good. This one is different. Um, you know, the relationship between Cap and Bucky, I, you know, in, in fairness to Jeff Loeb, I don't really think it's his fault because I think a part of the emotional resonance of this is not cheapened, but the fact that Bucky survives and becomes Winter Soldier undercuts the emotions here for some reason. And it shouldn't. Not in any way. Like, I don't even know why. I mean, I should be able to enjoy this and say, you know, Captain America, after coming out of the ice, thinks that Bucky's dead. And that's the way it's going to be for years until he finds out he's the Winter Soldier. So I should be able to respond to that and say, well, you know, so this feels this feels true. But because we know he's not dead, for some reason it, it, it changes it somewhat, and it shouldn't. But as a reader, it just doesn't work for me in the same way. Um, it's still a very good comic. Um, yeah, it's, it's still a great comic. It looks great. Tim Sale is amazing. Jeff Loeb is, you know, he's more on point here than he's been in other things I've read more recently. Um, and again, some great iconic visuals here. It just doesn't quite live up to the brand. In and of itself, it's a good comic. Well, it's it's an okay comic. It's trending towards good. I'm going to give it a 7. But in the overall kind of pantheon of the color comics, I don't know. Maybe I enjoyed it more than Hulk. But it, it's still, you know, in the back half. You know, there's four color comics, and it's not... Well, it's just kind of funny now that I think about it. Four color comics, which is the classic term for comic books. Um, but I'm going to say that it's, you know, it's not... It's not up there with Daredevil Yellow and Spider-Man Blue. And I wanted it to be. And I think way back when, whenever the Zero issue first came out, I think I really thought it was going to be like the others. But I don't think it ever really lived up to the potential of that first issue. Or or that that Zero issue. Not even an actual first issue. Uh, Next up is Carnage number 3. Love this. It's such a great book. Um, I mean, Jerry Conway is just knocking it out of the park. Mike Perkins' art is gorgeous. 
Um, it's so creepy. It's a horror comic set in an abandoned mine. You got, you know, Toxin. You got Carnage. You got, although Toxin's not really off the chain yet. Um, you've, so you've got Carnage and Manwolf. You've got more going on here. Um, crazy kind of ending at the end. I don't, I didn't personally see coming, but maybe there was foreshadowing before. Um, really cool concepts. Uh, expertly told. I mean, it's such it's so interesting that Carnage is a character that's been done in so many different ways, and this is probably the best way to do it. Where it's it's called Carnage, but again, just like the classic two of Dracula, you know, it's just as much about the hunters and about those trying to stop Carnage as it is about Carnage himself. And Carnage is just a force of nature here, and that is the best way to write him. It's it's hard when you try to make him. It's kind of what sometimes makes Venom not work is when you try to make him a protagonist, uh, or at least classic Venom, because he was a villain. Um, anyway, so I'm going to give this an 8.5 out of 10. Really well done. Fantastic book. Uh, next up is Chewbacca. This is issue number 5. I only thought this was okay. It was alright. I, I wasn't super excited by it. I replaced Phil Noto. It's Ray by Jerry Dugan. It's an enjoyable story, but of all the Star Wars stories we've, caught, we've had recently from Marvel... I don't know. It's kind of like Princess Leia to me. It was okay. It was enjoyable, but it wasn't. It didn't knock my socks off in any way. I'm gonna give it a six. It had its moments. Um, it was just an okay comic. It wasn't great. Next up, oh, oh boy, uh, Doctor Fate number seven. Did not really care for this. Um, I can't even remember. This wasn't the ending, was it? No. There's still more to come somehow. I just can't get into this. I keep trying, and from the looks of it, I don't think I'm the only one who's having this problem. Um, I just find the story is not captivating at all. It's written by Paul. Uh, the storytellers are Paul Levitz and Sunny Lou. I guess Sunny Lou's doing the art. Not really a big fan of the art or even the story or how it's being written. I want to like this character. It's just, it's just not working. Um, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 10. It's, just, I, I, I wish I even had the words. Um, actually maybe a 3 out of 10. It's just not a very good comic. It's it's not captivating. It feels like the storyline is taking forever to get to the point. And what is the point? I don't even know. Um, and it just feels like every issue feels like a giant slog. Like it's probably one of the comics that takes me the longest to read not because it's so engrossing and there's so much going on but because it's just boring. And uh, it does not really captivate me. Uh, next up is Drax number 2. This is ridiculous amount of fun by CM Punk and Colin Bunn as uh, the writers and Scott Hepburn as the artist um, th- what's great about this is seeing um, a-, a very weird drunk version of Terax hanging out with Drax um, having them kind of teaming up together uh, being drunk and brawling with people together is funny and um, you know it's, it's, it's a little light but it's a fun and enjoyable read and to be honest, a lot more fun than I would have ever expected from a Drax comic. Um, and I, I would recommend this, because I think it, it scratches a specific itch, and it gives you a different perspective on Drax and his adventures than you necessarily get with his other books where he's a, you know, a bit player or an ensemble, a member of an ensemble in a team book. So this is you know a specific version of way they wanted to write Drax, and you know what? It's fun. So I'm okay with that. I mean, it, it, it feels like it's, it's, worth, it's definitely worth a read by any means. Um, we got Flash 47. This wasn't very good. Um, it just it felt like after all the, the build-up, it just felt like it, it didn't... The big Zoom Flash battle felt really anticlimactic. wasn't very interesting. I still don't like 
the current art on the way Flash's costume looks, even Zoom's costume. Like there have been so many adventures throughout the years with these characters, and this just didn't. This just felt so lacking, so empty, and especially you know like we've we've seen cl- really great Zoom stories in the past, Barry. This just lacked emotional resonance. It just didn't work. They wanted it to work in an emotional way, but it didn't really work. Um, it wanted the kind of also, I guess, to have kind of the sense of the TV show, which did it so much better. Um, this is written by Robert Venditti and Ben Jensen, artwork by Brett Booth. Again, I'm not a huge fan of Brett Booth, and here I felt like the things I don't like about Brett, about Brett Booth's art were front and center. I'm going to give this a 3 out of 10. Just don't... I, I, I can't recommend Flash at all. I want to. I love Flash. I love the character. I just... The book is so not working and I, I think that they need to change the creative team they need to get Brett Booth off I, need, I think they need a different artist uh, to breathe new life into the book and having new writers isn't a bad idea either just because this whole zoom arc felt like it wanted to be something that it just failed to in any way manage to be uh, next up is Howling Commandos um, of S.H.I.E.L.D. number 3 this book I super love I don't know why it's stupid fun like I'm this issue was just really enjoyable um, the way that the I mean the whole Dugan as an LMD I'm still not a huge fan of that being said the way he's being written here is pretty great it's written by Frank J. Barbier artwork by Brent Schoonover um, it's fun I like the cast and how they're being written even Hitmonkey I'm enjoying um, uh, what's his name Orgo is is, is awesome uh, the way he's being written here like all the characters really really digging this um, one of my favorite lines in the, in the uh, issue, operations have returned to normal, or at least what the humans consider normal. This has been an amusing day for Orgo. Already, Orgo has become like one of my favorite characters uh, just from reading that. Um, this is a book that I think is going to fly under, uh, under or beneath a lot of people's radar. I don't think a lot of people are necessarily going to give this a shot. It's a weird, you know, kind of zany, fun, silly book, but it's enjoyable and uh, again it's one of those weird outlier books that actually ends up being really enjoyable and is giving you what you may not expect next up justice league number 47 jason favok is back yes uh, very glad that he's back his art is gorgeous um the story it feels like it's slowing like when you look at the issue um looking for the credits i mean how long has this storyline been going on for this is this is uh, Dark Side War, Act 3, Chapter 1. But I mean, how, how, how many issues have we been having of this storyline total? Uh, I think it's Part 7. It's just feeling long. And um, that's, it's kind of, it just feels like it's dragging in terms of its own momentum. The artwork is gorgeous. I mean, that looks great. Uh, we're definitely having something big is going to happen because you know we have um, the crime syndicate kind of being rescued from their isolation and, and imprisonment, which is cool. Um, Superwoman's still batshit crazy. Uh, looks like Grid's being downloaded into Cyborg. Um, Mobius is, is back, so that's the, I guess, the, the what is that, the, the anti-monitor. Um, Owlman is, you know, back as well, although he's just kind of been in, around. I'm excited for this book to feel like it's having its momentum back. It just isn't quite there yet. Um, I'm going to give the book a 6 out of 10, or six and a half out of ten. To be honest, like I'm giving the art like four and a half out of five, and the story like a two. Like the story, it's okay, but it's slow. Um, it's not developing anything. It didn't really feel like it felt like a lot of this issue could have been even more condensed, or even partially skipped. Like this, 
Like, do we need this much time spent in getting the CSA out of jail, really? Like, it's just slowing the momentum of the overall storyline and not progressing the overall plot. Um, but the art is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, next up, Squadron Supreme, number three. Um, I, you know, I like this. Um, it's, it's good. It's by Leonard Kirk and um, James Robinson. Um, I'm liking, you know, the, the characters that Robinson's using here. Kind of seeing how he's using the squadron um, is, is very cool. And kind of seeing more about these characters. Um, I like that Toronto is the setting for, uh, what is it, Power Princess, uh, which was cool. I like that she's hanging out in Toronto. Seeing a little bit more characterization on the squadron is uh, was, was well worth it. Um, I'm interested to see what kind of happens as... Apparently, the Uncanny Avengers are just crossing over into everyone's books and fighting them, but apparently they're the Avengers book, or, or the Avengers team that crosses over and fights everyone, which is kind of interesting. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. Uh, I don't, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. It was a good book. Um, not quite to the level of some of the other books I read this week, but definitely an entertaining book. And I think it's worth, worth your time to read it. Um, next up is, um, oh my goodness, this was not enjoyable at all. Uh, Superman Annual number three. Um, this, what was this? I'm trying to even remember what I read because it just wasn't. I, I think parts of it with Vandal Savage were interesting. Um, kind of his history. The Superman parts in the current continuity I found a lot less interesting. Um, you know, but the Vandal Savage kind of his history I did think was, was much more enjoyable. Um, in general though, I thought this book was very scattershot. Uh, wasn't that focused at times? Um, you know, some of the fight sequences felt—I don't know—they they, they, they didn't quite work. Again, the flashbacks were the best part of the book. The rest of the book were, uh, really felt like it was flat, um, and you would kind of have expected more, but you didn't really get it. Um, yeah, just kind of—you know—Superman's in a frustrating place because I think they had a, a lot of good concepts here, but I don't necessarily think that they're managing to really do a lot of payoff um and in superman and the justice league here felt very forced uh it didn't help that the art was very different throughout the book like there's multiple different artists and i mean the the script here is by Je- uh, greg pock gene yang peter j tomasi and aaron cooter all i guess all doing different elements and it made the book feel more jumbled and the artwork is by dan jorgens rafa sandoval ben oliver uh, with inks by bill sinkovich um, Oliver, I don't even know who that is, and colors, and then, like, there's multiple colors. Like, this book just felt like a hodgepodge, and some of the issue felt very clean, and some of it felt very, you know, rough. Um, I just felt that for the, you know, an increased price point, yes, you're getting more pages, but are they entertaining pages, and is it a good read? And ultimately, I did not think it was. I'm going to give it a 4 out of 10. Next up, one of my favorite Superman books in the shelves, and it's almost always an 8 or more. Uh, out of 10, it's Superman, Lois and Clark, number 3. Uh, this is absolutely fantastic by Dan Jurgens, who's writing it. Our work by um, Lee Weeks. This is very enjoyable. Get to see that uh, Superman's got a, a, a type of um, his own kind of Fortress of Solitude that's not the actual Fortress. Um, there's some odd parts of this book. Like the beginning felt like it was I was reading East of West or what I, from, what I remember from East of West. Um, but again, you, you're reading a Superman book where Superman feels like Superman. He's not whatever the New 52 made of Superman. He's the classic Superman in every way. Uh, he's kind of being proactive, trying to stop 
um, villains before they happen uh, on this world. Um, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Again, it's, it continues to be, I think, the most solid Superman book currently on the shelves because it feels like Superman. Uh, now, if you weren't you know, already enough with Superman already, uh, we've got more Superman books. Uh, as we have uh, Superman Wonder Woman number 24, which technically takes place before that annual I just talked about. It's written by Peter J. Tomasi, artwork by Doug Monk. Um, the artwork looks... Oh, sorry, he does the layouts. The pencils by Ardian Siaf and Tom Dernick. Um, I like this. It was, you know, enjoyable. As we kind of see an ending of this storyline, um, or at least this part of the storyline, they have the, the team-up with uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Parasite, which is kind of cool, although it doesn't work as well for Parasite as he wants it to. Um... Uh, Vandal Savage is here and he definitely does some brutal stuff to I guess his son which then leads into his own book um, this was more enjoyable than um, the Superman annual so I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 and the art is great by the various artists uh, and the next up is another annual Superman Wonder Woman annual number 2 um, I really enjoyed this this is by Peter J. Tomasi uh, and a plethora of uh, people uh, let me just find the, the credits, though. Um, that's the only thing that I think that Times made this book uh, not falter, but not quite work as well, is that you had so many creators on it. It's written by Peter J. Tomasi. Oh, you know what? I Am I wrong? I could be wrong. Because I thought... Hold on. Peter J. Tomasi and Marco Santucci wrote Beginnings and Ends. Um, maybe there's different... Because I know there's different art throughout the story oh yeah there's mini stories in here so there's like another story by Keith Champagne and Crisscross great art there um, and then you have another story by be nice if I could figure out who sometimes I feel like the credits in some of these annuals are really small like they they don't really uh, jump off the page at you when you're when you're looking for when you're doing a podcast and quickly looking for the arts or the credits it's hard to see uh, there's an, there's a, a segment called Unsaid by Kay Perkins and Ken Lashley. I actually really enjoyed the art by Ken Lashley in this uh, particular segment. It was really enjoyable. Um, there's another segment by... Let's see. Or is this still the still the Lashley segment? Or I thought I was in a different segment already. Uh, another segment by Sholey Fish and Matthew Clark. I really like the art there. Although it was a little inconsistent. Um, it was those are the main stories, and it was basically what it is is it's kind of looking at the relationship between uh, Clark and Wonder Woman, and uh, the sad part is it's kind of like a death of marriage because he kind of puts away an engagement ring at the end. But for the most part, it's kind of interesting to see how the relationship progresses, uh, how they first get together, how they're kind of interacting with one another, um, learning to become one, you know, with each other, uh, the things they don't say to each other, and how they end up starting to take up more and more room. How Superman, when he uses his solar flare, he feels like you know he's not really given, being given the amount of respect he should. And obviously, they've been through much through the Super Doom and then the depowering of Superman. It's really interesting comic, um, a little uneven throughout, but for the most part, a very solid reading. And I give it a seven. I think it's worth checking out. Uh, and then we got Wonder Woman forty-seven, which uh, is bringing back Cheetah. I like this. I thought it actually worked pretty well. It's written by Meredith Finch, artwork by Miguel Mendoza. Or Mendoza. Um, I actually really like the art. Um, the story it was enjoyable. There's, you know, you get Cheetah. Uh, there's a, a good reason for why Cheetah's very, you know, formidable here. I'm excited to kind of see 
what we're going to get next, but it was it was a good kind of done-in-one with Cheetah. And although they also bring back um, one of the men of Amazonia or Amazon or whatever you want to call it, or Themyscira, one of the men is still alive and kind of actually crazy and barely alive, but I actually really like this. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I thought the art was good and Finch's script was pretty on point. Uh, and then before we actually wrap up the episode, uh, technically there is those seven comics that Marvel accidentally shipped early uh, that they then officially allowed to go on release and on sale the 1st of January. So I'm going to talk about those. There's seven comics. So uh, just when you thought this 27-minute podcast was almost uh, over, we got more. Uh, so first we have Amazing Spider-Man number six. Uh, this is by Dan Slott and Matteo Pufagni. Um... Overall, I'm going to give this a, I don't know, four and a half or five. I'm going to give it a five out of ten. There's good things about this and there's negative things about it. On the one hand, it's nice to see the international flavor of the uh, of the book because it, it it's a book that promises it and it hasn't always delivered in the first five issues so it definitely felt more international in flavor um the breakout scene for mr negative was pretty cool uh seeing the inner demons working with cloak and dagger i forgot that they were messed with and i can't even remember where it happened but it's kind of a cool concept to see you know cloak being the light one and dagger being the dark one is very cool um so that 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 was a cool concept uh having mr negative come back Whenever I see Peter stuff, though, it just feels weird to see this, you know, conf- not, it's not weird to see Peter Parker confident. It's weird to see him extra confident and like, I'm this, you know, I'm this uh, boy millionaire. Like, it just felt, it still feels weird. And I don't know if it quite jives with me. The artwork here, I wasn't a huge fan. I thought the colorist wasn't the strongest. Um, and some of the art just felt very awkward. Uh, and didn't feel as organic, and like especially the the kind of the quieter moments, they didn't really work, and they felt um, a little hazy, and the the artwork wasn't as um, clear as it could have been. Uh, so I'm going to give it a five out of ten. Uh, next up is Howard the Duck number three. Really dug this. This is just fun and silly, um, especially with these these weird, you know, almost Howard and Rocket Raccoon but not characters. Uh, it's written by let's see here. Uh, I believe it's by Chip Zdarsky and uh, John Quinones, I guess. Um, A lot of fun. Again, it's a silly book. I didn't actually read the backup now that I realize it but with Gwenpool, but I can't say that I'm necessarily interested in reading about Gwenpool, so I keep just reading the main story. I'm not looking forward to a Gwenpool book and just giving a a flip through of this story. It looks pretty... Doesn't look very entertaining to be honest, and doesn't look like something I really want to be reading. Uh, but the Howard the Duck main story, I'm going to give it an eight out of ten because I did think it was fun and silly. And um, you know, that's, again, it's one of these books. It's this outlier book. It's not something you're expecting a lot from, and Howard the Duck just delivers. Um, we got Nova number three. This I really dug. I thought this was great. Uh, even and we got CB Sabolsky. Um, former talent coordinator for Marvel or talent scout. He makes uh, an appearance on the cover. It's by uh, Sean Ryan. And who does the art here? I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, so I'll find that in a second. Sean Ryan and Corey Smith of the creative team. Uh, we got the all new, all different Avengers here as they're kind of working on their on their base. We see Nova, Spider-Man, and Kamala Khan having a bit of a... Um, patrol time together and then they go out for like a lunch and I don't know why but it's just so much fun seeing these characters interact together um because it's just it's it's cool to see this teen this teen team up 
and it's not angsty like the classic New Mutants became, and or even the New Warriors where they always had something to prove with a chip on their shoulder. This just felt like it was three teenagers hanging out, trying to be superheroes, having a good time. Their personalities don't always work together, um, but for the most part, like it's just really enjoyable. We got um, Mole Man's here. Uh, I just thought this was a great deal of fun. I really like um, the art on Nova especially because it really kind of accentuates the feeling that he's this young kid with this awkward helmet on. and This was just great. And even Miss Marvel looked fantastic here. I, I really dug this. I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Really, really a joy to read. Uh, next up was Obi-Wan and Anakin. Uh, this is issue number one. I liked it overall, but it it was kind of a weird a weird book. Like the 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 art by Chichetto, it's gorgeous because he's a great artist. It makes everyone look great. But I thought it looked a little stiff at times. Like I don't think it quite had the um, the, there was a, a certain lack of fluidity of motion in the and it, so it looked very stilted or not stilted but very posed. Like everyone looked like it was like this is them at this moment, and I didn't feel like there was a lot of kind of the the action didn't flow necessarily there's some great concepts here um you know and, and seeing more of their relationship and kind of doing jedi things and not stuff that we wouldn't have seen in the movies is enjoyable and kind of seeing them progressing a, as a partnership as a master and padawan is very cool um i just thought the art could have been a little bit stronger um i'm gonna give it a six and a half out of ten but i, I really did enjoy the story um i thought it was a you know interesting concepts by Charles Sewell. Um, nice to see him on a Star Wars book. So, no, I, I did enjoy the story. It's a good book, but I think it could have been a little bit stronger. Uh, next up is Rocket Raccoon and Groot. I don't know what's going on here, but it's 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 weird but enjoyable because you have these these carrot. you got Lord Razcoon, you've got these, you know, this Groot wannabe called Shrub, and you got, I, I forget his name, but you got like this this mouse character who's basically Rocket Raccoon, but not like it's super weird. And then Groot at the end, like it's it's weird, but I'm enjoying it. It's written by Scotty Young, artwork by Felipe Andrade, and they're going in a specific like a kind of a new direction here. And uh, it, it's it's weird but enjoyable. I'm gonna give it a seven. Uh, next up is Spider Man 2099 number five. Uh, this was good. I enjoyed this. We um, should just kind of see where we're gonna go from here. Um, we're kind of ending this element of the story. I like the team up between Spider-Man and uh, Captain America from the future. It's written by Will Sliney. Oh my God, now I forgot to pronounce his name. I had him on the show and I can't even remember. Will Sliney? Mm. I'm going to have to go back to my own episode where I interviewed him recently and remember how to pronounce his name because I'm an awful human being. Uh, but written by Peter David. That name I know how to pronounce. It's enjoyable, fast-paced, good action. Um, it just remains a good book. I hope we get a little bit more characterization for Miguel and, and kind of his his world because again we're we're so following the plot very closely but like what else is going on in this world what else is Miguel doing like this is very much this specific adventure has unfurled over the last few issues but we don't really know anything else about him anymore besides that Tempest is dead but not dead um, I'm gonna give this issue in uh, seven and a half out of ten it's not quite an eight. It's almost there, but it's not there. And last but not least is Spidey, which if I close my eyes and just say to myself, this has nothing to do with regular continuity. It's just like Marvel Tales, you know, not Marvel Tales, uh, Marvel Adventures Spider-Man, then I think I enjoy it more. Uh, it's by 
uh, Robbie Thompson and Nick Bradshaw. It's kind of a fun um, Sandman story. Actually, Bradshaw's art does a really good job on, on the art here for um, illustrating this fight against Sandman. It's very cool, very um, cinematic, and, and there's a great sense of fluidity here. Like the, I was saying before, I can't remember which comic, but I think it was uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin that there wasn't a lot of fluidity of motion. There wasn't a lot of kind of that, that feeling of uh, cinematic feeling that things were actually moving on the page. But here it's completely different. You feel like there's a lot of movement. I uh, love it love that look so even though it's kind of a weird book because it doesn't i want it to be you know, it's it's the old fogey in me who wants continuity to matter wants us to to be a book that quote-unquote matters even though it doesn't need to matter it's still good i'm gonna have to give it an eight because uh, it's it's a fun story and it's got great art um yeah there's a few comics, only a few, that I didn't get a chance to read from December 30th, and they include Harley Quinn and Power Girl number 6, because I tried reading it, and I was like, ah, I don't really care about reading this. Injustice, Gods Among Us, Year 4, Annual number 1, Omega Men number 7, the print edition of Deadpool and Cable Split Second, which actually on December the 6th actually released its final digital installment, so it's now complete. Uh, Figment, Figment 2 number 4, uh, and then there's the Marvel's Captain America Civil War Prelude, so number two. That's everything that I missed. Uh, and then comics coming out next week, and by next week I mean two days ago. I mean January the 6th. Uh, some of the highlights include Barbed Wire number seven um, from DC Action Comics 48, um, Detective Comics 48, new issues of Green Arrow, Green Lantern, uh, there's the De- Detective Comics Hardcover Volume 7, Anarchy, the Trade Paperback Volume 6, Icarus, um, you've got what else? Telos number four. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone's excited about that, but it's coming. Uh, Mickey Mouse, Gift of the Sun Lord from IDW Punishing. That's a trade paperback. Uh, you've got the uh, Uncle Scrooge ongoing number ten. Uh, over at Image, you got Fade Out number twelve. New issue of uh, of Saints. I believe nothing new for Southern Bastards. I thought there might be. Uh, Marvel, there's the launch of A-Force with the first issue. Uh, got Amazing Spider-Man 1.2. Um, you got Contest of Champions, uh, Darth Vader, Deadpool, Doctor Strange. You got the Deadpool Classic Omnibus, the Deadpool's Secret Secret Wars free paperback, which I personally really enjoyed. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Oversized Hardcover, Volume 2. Uh, Guardians of Infinity, Number 2. Vince Wireman, Number 5. Uh, Nova, Number 3. Sorry, that just came out. What am I saying? That... Technically comes out, you know, a couple days ago, but really came out, it was shipped a week ago. Uh, Silver Surfer trade paperback volume three, Last Days, new issue of Spider Gwen, Spider Man Deadpool has its big launch. Another new issue of Star Wars, you got two chapters of Vader down in one uh, one week. Um, you got Totally Awesome Hulk, as well as Ultimate End trade paperback, which is not worth reading to be honest. Uh, Ultimate number three, Uncanny X Men number one is big launch. Vision number three and Weird World number two. So that's everything coming up this uh, upcoming week uh, or a couple days ago, depending on your perspective. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our next episode will be up in a couple days, and then we'll be back to you with a new reviews episode with episode 337. Uh, upcoming episodes include an episode with Bill Messner Lobes. Uh, we have an episode coming up where we're going to be talking about Secret Wars with Paul Scores and AJ Reese, at least that's the plan. And uh, we have a bunch of other good interviews coming up soon. 
Um, so the, there's good stuff on the horizon. Absolutely, there's always good stuff on the horizon here at Comic Shenanigans. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. You can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. So thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.